Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 to 4, 9 and 33. Verse 1 to 4. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Verse 9, in their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Now, Father, we do thank you for uh, your word that, that is alive and that it speaks to us. I do pray that your spirit will, will be at work today as we hear from it, that it will move our hearts, convict us of any sin and turn us towards you. I do pray for that, Lord, and I pray as we think about decision-making and planning, uh, Lord, that we'll want to su- surrender our plans and decisions before the cross. We do pray for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. I was on the ABC uh, website this week and I came across this interesting article. I've got a screenshot of it on the screen. It's titled this, Setting a New Year's Resolution for 2022, Lowering Your Expectations Might Be a Good Idea. Right? So uh, why do you think an article like this would come out? With two years, right, of 2020, 2021, um, being a train wreck of, of, you know, of a year last year as well, uh, we should be lowering our expectations, especially with the pandemic. Now, this is how the article began. It said this, most of us usually enter the new year with a host of plans and resolutions. These might sit in the realms of self-improvement, social connection, or work and side hustles. We often think almost exclusively about progress and betterment at this time of year with the intention of expanding our lives and capacities in some way. This year is different. While looking forward to new experiences and having positive goals can be an essential part of a psychologically healthy life, it is likely that 2022 is going to bring with it some difficult demands and challenges. It may be helpful to rethink our typical achievement and success-oriented approach to a new year in favor of being gentler and more compassionate with ourselves and accepting our limitations. I find that really interesting. The assumption is, as we start every new year, we have goals in mind, don't we? We have resolutions where we want to achieve new things. Who here actually comes up with New Year's resolutions? Thank you. A few people. (laughs) A few people in the room do it. I used to do it, and now I stopped because I always failed at keeping them. But the article, it goes on to talk about these expectations, setting yourself up for disappointment, being realistic and flexible, focusing on process, not on the goals, learning to accept yourself. All these feel-good stuff, right? Uh, Especially after these two years. Helpful stuff written by a psychologist, lowering your expectations. Now, it might seem like common sense for most of us. We don't need to read an article about it. Of course, we should lower expectations after what's happened these last two years. Uh, But we we get it. Let's, you know, we should um, lower our expectations. There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be anxiety. Uh, Life has changed. Uh, Let's be real, though. For some of us, making plans for our future, even just everyday decisions, give us anxiety. It's not just about planning the year ahead. It's actually even everyday decisions, isn't it? Uh, we don't like making plans and being left disappointed. 
are disappointed. I think for me in my 30s now, I, I've learned, <laughs> people say I'm jaded, I'm a jaded old man, but I've, I, I, I've learned to lower my expectations with life, all of life, not just my plans, with, with life and, and expectations of, of, of things around me. But we go around life doing that. We do a risk analysis for everything, and we have the pros and cons, possibilities, worst-case scenarios. We ask people for wisdom and advice. We go on Google, and we research what decision should I make with this, whether it's worth it. Well, don't we do that? We make these plans. We make, uh, we make decisions, uh, and often we're dissatisfied. We have to sit with a dissatisfaction when those plans or decisions don't go the way we want. We want to make the most of this life that we have, and we've already had to put life on hold for two years now. It could be traveling the world experiencing more things, finding a spouse to marry, um, but our mental health isn't doing well, and we're left more anxious and, and paralyzed, overwhelmed with the decisions around us and the plans. We just feel flat, unmotivated, especially going to 2022. I've heard so many people in this last week from our church tell me, oh, this is not how I want to start 2022 with COVID. All my plans out the window. This article tells us uh, on ABC just to accept ourselves. Accept our capacities to get on with life and just lower your expectations. But is that it? Is that how we're going to flourish as human beings in this world? Just lower your expectations and get through life and then die one day? I want us today to consider how the Proverbs give us wisdom on how we make decisions and plans while living by God's promises. So living by God's promises and purposes in this world. How can we uh, approach making plans and wise decisions as Christians, as God's people, as the church? Uh, the guidance providence gives, uh, Proverbs uh, gives us is general wisdom on how we approach this topic, right? This, this general wisdom on decision-making uh, and planning. Um, and when you look around the room, there are people who are going to do this very differently, right? There are people in the room who are very uh, organized and structured. They have their calendar planned out for the next uh, at least six months in advance. Some people who are very organized, they made their decisions, this is what they're going to do, no one's changing it. Okay? There's others who are, who are very spontaneous. Uh, I don't use a calendar much. I, it's, it's more of a guideline for me sometimes. I put things in, but I'm very flexible. People are like that as well. There are people who are very logical with the way that they plan their lives. It's just, you know, they look at all this, the, the scenarios around them. They figure it out what's the right decision moving forward. Others, though, are very feelings-based. Oh, you know, if I feel like it, then I'll go with it. If I, you know, they'll consider the feelings around, uh, uh, you know, around them as well. And I think the Proverbs are helpful for all types of people. Right, whether you're feelings-based or logical, whether you're really planned or spontaneous, the Proverbs can give us some general wisdom on how we can make decisions. So this is what we're going to do. We'll look at chapter 16, and I'm going to flip to other parts of Proverbs as well. I'm going to have them on the screen for us. Uh, but the first thing we need to know from, about thinking about planning is this. Uh, to be human is to be planners, but let's plan well. All right, so the first verse, on uh, chapter 16, verse 1, says this. I think we've got it on the screen. Uh, the plans of the heart belong to man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Uh, we've got to acknowledge first that God has made humans with hearts that plan. Uh, we all want to plan a little bit, at least in our lives. We all want a sense of control of our lives. Uh, it will we'll come through our decision-making and planning. We want to know what's going to happen. We're created not to be robots. We're created to be humans that make real decisions in life. But as we do that, let's plan thoroughly as well. You've got Proverbs 21. Have I got that on the screen? Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 5, it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. 
We should be planning well. We should be diligent in our planning if we want abundance in life. Now, while I know some of you, you uh, like being organic and spontaneous, there's wisdom being well-planned. There's wisdom in being intentional. We have to be realistic with our resources around us that God has given us. We have to consider the alternatives around us, consider how our plans and decisions might affect others as well. We need to be realistic with the resources that God has given us. Consider, you know, consider the possible outcomes as well, how it affects others. We need to be planned. We need to plan well. But as we plan well, the Proverbs also suggests we seek advice. This is how we can plan. We can seek advice. So uh, Proverbs 11.14, it says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, Without counsel, plans fa- uh, fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. So God is giving us wisdom to say, hey, go and get advice. There are people, that, I know there are many of us here who are very independent. You don't like asking for help. You don't want to ask anyone for advice because you're afraid you'll be bothersome. You don't want to trouble anyone. You've been taught, hey, just put your head down, do your thing. But look at how God has created human beings. He created us to not be alone. He created us to be in community, to have relationships with others. He created us to be in families where there are different generations in families. Why? Well, I believe partly it's because there's a collective wisdom that we can glean from others in community. Experiences and wisdom that comes from others. And the beauty of having people around us is that we aren't all the same. Look around the room. No one here is like you. We're all different. We're all unique. We all have our different uh, quirks. right? And so you know, our parents have wisdom that's different to your boss at work. Your co-workers have different wisdom than your friends at church. That's a good thing. God brings different people around us to get counsel from, people who are different to us, perhaps older than us or with different life experiences. We need people. We need people who are different to us, around us, and to seek counsel from as we make decisions, as we make plans in our lives. If everyone was just like me, I mean, it'd be great, but if everyone was just like me, <laughs> you guys are shaking your head. If everyone was just like me uh, and just said yes and affirmed everything I said, validated everything I said, wow, I'd be happy, but how would I grow in life? How would I grow in wisdom? God gives us resources all around us, and that plays a part in how you will plan well. The second thing I want to say, so we want to plan well. The second thing, we want to question motives. We want to question our hearts. As we plan and make decisions, let's do it in a way that honors God. Let's, let's, let's question our motives. So verse 2, 16 verse 2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Now you're going to make decisions in life that you have to figure out what is your heart behind it. Why am I making this decision? Right? Sometimes we'll make big decisions in life. What co- career path we'll take, who we're going to marry, how we're going to budget and use our money, what house to buy. Those are they're big decisions in life. I think we all get, we'll get a little bit stressed about those things. We all worry about those things. Sometimes we'll make uh, less less big decisions. Like, yeah, as in like, what are we going to do this weekend? Who am I going to spend my time with? Who will I initiate a friendship with? Uh, you know, those are, the, those are other decisions we're going to make. And then there are those trivial ones, the very trivial decisions we're going to make every day, right? Like, well, what flavor ice cream am I going to choose? I'm a singer. Or the, or, or the options at grocery shops, you know, in terms of the supermarkets, like uh, what brand milk you should buy. You've got to make decisions in the moment. They're trivial, right? So we've got these different levels of decision-making that we make in life. Good? That's all. Uh, but what I'm saying here, I think, with motives is we've got to think about the big plans, the decisions that are going to make a big impact on your life and those around us. 
we should be questioning our motives. Why am I going to do this? Why am I uh, making this plan? Because we have to face the truth, and this is what verse 2 says, uh, we might think that our motives are pure, but only God knows. We need to question our motives to actually question whether our motives are pure. Our hearts are complicated. Let's be real. Uh, it's out of the abundance of our hearts that decisions and actions are made. We are emotional beings. Not robots, again. We're emotional. Every one of us, even the most logical of people in the room, you have emotions as well. And let's be honest, that means most of us desire, as human beings, to want the most easy and comfortable path to take in life, even the most selfish, the one that means less pain, less suffering, less trouble for ourselves. We don't want to be inconvenienced. So much of our decision-making is driven by our hearts. The desire to self-preserve, the desire to seek out our wants and desires, have comfort or achieve our ambitions. We all have hearts that have convictions and commitments and preferences. So our decisions and our plans will come from a heart that isn't always a clean slate, is it? That isn't always pure. You'll make decisions in life, what house to buy, where you'll live, what car to own, what career path, and our hearts and emotions will take a part, will play a part. Uh, when I was 24 years old, I graduated from my law degree, and I was thinking about my future career prospects. I could be a lawyer. I got a job in the government at the time. I could stay in the government and just have a cushy job with, with flex time and all that stuff that the government gives you. Or the third option that, people, uh, that, that was given to me, that opened up for me, was go to Bible college and become a pastor. Now, I chose, now, that's why I'm a pastor now, I, I chose that path to go to Bible college, and I had friends who weren't Christian uh, say to me, uh, that's really noble of you, Mikey. That's, you know, that's really, uh, you want to go and help people as a, as a Christian pastor. Uh, and, I, and I thought to myself, do they think I'm some sort of, that I have some sort of pure motive doing this? A bit of me likes to say yes. Like I, you know, I wanted to, to help people. I wanted to teach the Bible. I wanted to make it about and glorify God. But if I look back, well, even at the time, I can tell you 100% that my heart wasn't completely pure, making a decision to go into to ministry, to be a pastor. Uh, I'd like to think it was for the right reasons, yes, but I'm sure that my heart had elements of pride. I'm sure that my heart had, uh, had, had a bit of arrogance, thinking I'm going to be a better pastor and do a better job than others. My heart isn't pure. I'm not going to lie. Right? It's, a, it's not like I haven't had those thoughts before. And I'm so sure we all do in our jobs, in our motives. Our hearts are complicated. But we justify it, don't we? Well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. And, and you know, if I if I if I buy this car, you know, I can drive people around, I can serve people with this car. But you know, at the same time, I'm going to spend heaps of money on a luxury car because I want to be comfortable too. Well, you know, if I buy this house, you know, I can I can host parties and movie nights. But actually, I also want a, a really high standard of of my house, you know, where I'm going to live because I want to be comfortable. I want I want people to envy the stuff that I have. Our hearts are complex. They're never 100% pure. And God knows our hearts. He knows our motives. We need to keep questioning that. Things aren't black and white all the time. Even, you know, even when we want to help others. Such a good and noble thing. Let's be helpful. Let's be selfless in the way we do. But isn't there tinges of feeling good about it? I helped someone today. Uh, having a reputation, that person is so helpful and kind. Our hearts are deceitful, friends. And our motives are never purely God-centered or other people-centered, 100% of the time. When we question our hearts, we all have to admit that they are stained by sin. 
the way we spend our money, use our time, the goals and ambitions we have for our lives. But God knows our hearts. He knows what we're thinking, the way we're feeling, the logic that brings us to our plans that we make. We have to accept we won't and don't know everything, that we have blind spots, we have weak spots, we've got to own it. That we have tendencies to be selfish and proud and greedy and lustful at times. We don't realize how easy it is to be swayed and consumed by the world around us, the peer pressure. So we make decisions and plans thinking everyone else is doing it. Influenced by everyone else, our peers, what we see in the media, the marketing around us. Aren't we all just products of our environment? We're going to begin by owning that. Then we can start asking God how he calls us to be. If you want to make wise decisions and plans, bring them before God. Bring your heart and your logic before him and ask him to renew and transform your mind to be in line with the gospel. Well, I've got a passage in Romans 12 in the New Testament. It says this, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, if we soak our hearts in the gospel of Jesus and see the goodness of God in our lives, what's well, out of the abundance of our hearts, right, that decisions and actions are made. We can start planning and making decisions in our lives that are in line with the will of God. Because our knee-jerk reaction is to make decisions based on what will make us feel better at any given moment. But if the gospel of Jesus reminds us that we're sinners, that our hearts are stained, saved by grace though, given eternity, a relationship with God, doesn't everything we live for now change? Doesn't what our hearts want change? When we have a renewed mind, then what we live for natural is, is natural to us is, is to actually glorify God. That's what's natural. When our hearts are filled with, with the gospel, with the love of Christ, it's not my selfishness and my pride that my heart is filled with. It's the love of God. And out of the heart, our, our, our actions and our decisions flow. What is our heart filled with? Is the focus on self, or is it going to be soaked in the gospel of Christ? When you go to Proverbs 21 as well, it echoes this sentiment. I think I've got it on the screen. It says, A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Let's question our motives. But thirdly, Let's rest upon the, let's lean into the Lord. Verse 3, chapter 16, verse 3 says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. We need to keep asking ourselves, what is the goal of our plans and decisions? What are we seeking out? So we go question our motives and think about our goals and ambitions. What are we seeking out? Is it to glorify God? Is it to, to glorify our name? The third verse here says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. The questions and decisions like, like, should I apologize to this person? Should I take this job? Should I date or marry this person? Should I spend this money? What does God want me to do? Isn't that the question we all ask? But if we're honest, no one knows the answer to. What exactly does God, where does he factor into my decision making? Are we committing them to the Lord? If we can't decide, and if we don't know, then let's go to a default position. This default position is pursuing righteousness and faithfulness in our decisions. When someone asks you, for example, how can I pray for you? The default position is pray that I'll be faithful. It's so easy to oh, just pray that I'll have good health. It's so easy to say pray for my exams, pray for uh, that I'll get this job. 
But no, our default should always go back to pray for our faithfulness before God. If we want to commit everything before God, then we want to be faithful first and foremost. What does God want me to do with this? I don't know, but be faithful in your decision-making. Faithfulness and worshipping God in this life is the goal for all of us as Christians, to glorify God forever. That's all we're going to do for eternity. If we're not doing it now, then, then it's going to be very hard to do it for eternity. The goal is to be faithful. Whatever decisions and plans you're making, let's bring them before the cross. Let's ask our heart and question, am I doing this because, the, uh, because it's for me, or am I doing this because the gospel calls me to? Am I doing this because the gospel is leading me to do this? Or am I doing this for my own self-seeking gain and profit? Questioning our motives, thinking about the plan and the goal of our decisions, and trusting that if we're making them in line with the gospel, we're honoring God with them. Faith and trust. It's really the heart of wise decision-making in plans, isn't it? Faith and trust uh, in the God who is sovereign and in control. You see, what we're seeing throughout all of Proverbs, a lot of Proverbs, uh, is, is a bit of a paradox. Yes, we plan, and we plan well. We plan strategically with your mind, logically, with your heart and your feelings, with a transformed and renewed mind, but also we hold that hand in hand with the truth that God is the one who knows. God is the one who has established the outcome already. We already heard about this, haven't we? Last week, God is our creator. He maintains, sustains, and is involved with our world. He governs the world. That's what providence is about. The, the word providence means that. And so you've got this paradox in the Proverbs. Yes, plan, but plan, but, but God's plan will ultimately be what unfolds. And so you've got all these verses. Have I got them on the screen? Proverbs 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 16, verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 21, 31, the horse is made ready for the day of battle. You've got to prepare your horses for battle, right? Get your armor on and everything, but the victory rests upon the Lord. It's both. Make plans, but the outcome belongs to God. It makes people wonder, why do we bother then? This is the question we have. Why do we bother making plans and decisions when God knows what's going to happen? He's going to take care of it. But no, God wants us to be involved. He wants us as human beings to plan and plan well and to be involved with the plans, but he's going to make the decision. He's, it's going to be his outcome. He's already planned what's going to happen in past, past, present, future. He knows what's going to happen. But he wants us to be aware, to be involved. What this means is that we have to accept this reality. All your plans might not succeed. All your decision-making and stress trying to figure out the right answer might not be the right answer, and that's okay. All those ambitions and goals that you're striving for might not be where God is leading you and where God wants you to be. That's okay. What it also means too, though, is that when we do find success in life, there is no room for boasting either. We have to accept that our plans may not succeed, but when they do succeed, there's no room for boasting. Proverbs 27 verse 1 actually says this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know if you'll get COVID tomorrow. You don't know if, if you, know, you had all these plans to, to move countries and get a job and then the pandemic hits our world. You don't know. God does. And so while you put in the hard work and you're responsible and you made wise decisions, you plan well and you took action, the success of it all is in the hands of God. All that is to say is that we're such small players, aren't we? We're such small players in the game of life. 
While some might find success in, the, in this life with all their plans, we forget to acknowledge God is the one who allowed it to happen. He put, a, he put the pieces in the right place so that you could be in the right place at the right time with the right opportunities. It's not the story that everyone has, though. Someone could do exactly the same steps as you but have a very different outcome. That's the reality. That's providence. To trust God is this. Committing your plans to the Lord because you know whatever happens is God's plan and outcome. That this God is good and loving and trustworthy. So try our best and give it a go. When we commit to the Lord, we can't boast about our success. But when we commit to the Lord, we also don't need to be anxious about our failures. That's the third thing about committing to the Lord. We don't need to be anxious. God has got us. Failure has such negative connotations in it. We hate being called a failure. We hate thinking we are a failure. But what if we redeemed failure? So it's not so much about negativity and anxiety, but an opportunity to lean into the Lord. Uh, there's an author and entrepreneur. His name is uh, Sunil Gupta. And I was listening to a podcast where he was interviewed about how he found success through failure. So he's written books on it. He got invited to uh, a conference called FailCon in Harvard. And he's like, man, I've never been to Harvard, but I got, in, I got invited to go along. I wasn't smart enough to get into Harvard. But then I was there and I was a keynote speaker talking about failure. And he became successful, right? Uh, because he, through his failures, he learned. He, he grew. He got you know, empowered, all that sort of stuff. And this is the stuff that we're hearing in a lot of pop psychology these days. It's okay to fail because you need to fail before you succeed. All that sort of uh, talk, right? But that doesn't work for everyone. For a lot of people that I know, they still don't want to fail because there's so much anxiety from failing. It sounds empowering, but that's for a special breed of people who can, who can handle failure well and get back up. People who are very resilient. Many of us aren't that resilient. We're generally mostly risk adverse, if anything, aren't we? And some of us might even have a trauma from our childhood, right? From getting in trouble or failing so much that you don't want to try anything because you don't want to fail. Or we simply just don't want to be humiliated. We don't want people to know that we stuffed up, that we failed in our plans and our ambitions. We have, we have this pride that we hold on to, this reputation. And so we get anxiety about our plans. When we commit our plans to the Lord, though, the focus isn't on us anymore, is it? It's not on how resilient you are. It's not about how much grit you have. It's not about you. It's about placing, placing your trust on God. We don't have to feel the weight of burden that comes from meeting expectations or society's uh, expectations or our peers. Because even failed plans and wrong decisions we make don't make us who we are. Our identity doesn't come from our performance. You can fail multiple times, but being a failure isn't who you are or what defines you. You can confidently say, yeah, I failed. I'm a failure in this area. But that doesn't, that's not the only way to describe you, is it? That's not the only way to describe me. Honestly, I'll tell you that right now, I'm a failure when it comes to learning guitar. I tried so many times, and I just gave up, right? And some of you guys, oh, just try harder, Mark. You can get it. Get back on. No, I can't. I suck so much at guitar. I'm a failure. That's okay, though. I failed at, at learning it. And, you know, when you're, it doesn't define me, though. If you're a Christian, under God, you're treasured and loved in Christ. You've been given an identity that's greater than any worldly expectation or burden that can break or damage that identity. When you operate from that place, then your decision-making, when committed to the Lord, won't have to leave you in anxiety or fear. You can trust and, and leave those plans and decisions in the hands of God. Isn't that so liberating? 
You know, God's providence, it pervades your calendar. No matter your decision or outcome, you never sit outside of God's providence and plan for your life. You're achieving exactly what God has planned for your life in the hours and the years that he's chosen to give to you on any given day. Sometimes you'll succeed, and at other times you will fail. And yes, failure does hurt, but the world doesn't end because of a bad decision. You're still in the hands of God. And this is the beauty of God's promises for us. God has promised he won't hold our failures against us. In a world where there is so much shame for making mistakes or not being good enough, God accepts us and invites us to know him as we are. With, with all our mess and our brokenness and shame, Jesus went to a cross to die for our bad decisions. He went to die for our moral failures. So we don't have to be burdened by them anymore. In, in Romans chapter 10, 11, I think it, I've got it there. It says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Jesus lived the perfect life to pay for our mistakes and our errors. He rose again to secure our future. For the Christian, our past is redeemed and our future is secure so that we're free to enjoy life and take risks and even fail, but to try for for God's glory. As Christians, we can live both with our plans and live by his promise. Our plans, his promise. I hope you guys can, can, can get this wisdom because when you understand it and embrace this, you'll have more courage. You'll be more vulnerable and potentially even be able to overcome certain fears and shame. Not perfectly sure in this life, but it'll be, it might be a process over a long period of time, I'm sure. But when your heart is committed, committing these plans and decisions to the Lord, you can step out in faith, can't you? And know that God has got you. People say to me, Mikey, you're, you're such a challenger. You always want to challenge people all the time. You, and, you know, and, and yes, I challenge myself often to be better. And I, I tell myself, push through the pain. And I challenge others around me to, to be better and try harder. I like to push the envelope a little bit. Because I think we all have untapped potential. But I don't think I've always thought like this. I only started thinking like this as a Christian. Why? Because the more I understand God's providence, the more I believe we're safe and we can be confident to take risks and get out of our comfort zone because God has got our back. I heard another preacher illustrate this way. Uh, it's like rock climbing. Who's been indoor rock climbing here? Right? Most of us have tried indoor rock climbing. If you don't know, what you do is you go into this big room, a big warehouse type of thing. There are walls with, with holes that you can put your hands and feet on, vertically go upwards. Uh, but the whole time in rock climbing, not bouldering, rock climbing, when you go rock climbing, you have a harness around your waist, don't you? And around your waist, you have this, this rope, this harness uh, that's anchored. It's called a belay, I believe. Now, I don't know if you're a confident climber here, uh, but when you go up a wall, some walls can be difficult, some climbs can be difficult. You might even have to jump from one hold to the next hold, right? Now, that, that causes a lot of anxiety for some people. You know, it, it looks high and you look down, you're like, wow, I'm really high. And so you, you're thinking, how do I get to the next hole? You start getting nervous. Your knees get weak and palms get sweaty and there's vomit on your sweater already. That type of nervous. But why? Why do you get so nervous? Because even if you jump up, the belay has got you. The rope has got you. You can jump to the next wall without fear. Because as soon as you jump, and you, even if you don't catch it, you'll be caught. You'll be caught by this rope. The belay has got you. The rope has got you. In the same way, when you step out in faith, God has got you. Have a go. Try your best. With the resources and information, plan wisely, yes. But at the end of the day, trust God. 
He's got you with whatever outcome happens. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so let me ask you, how will you practically plan though? How will you practically make decisions, even going into 2022 this year? I know that amongst us at Providence, uh, we have people who will make plans prematurely. All right, we're the type of, we're spontaneous, we go with our gut, we'll do, deal with the consequences later without thinking it through. There are others who are procrastinators, and I know a lot of you here, who will wait to the very last minute. So all the other options, all the other doors will close, and so you just have one door open, that's the option I'm going to take. I procrastinated long enough, procrastinated long enough, that's it, right? No regrets, had no choice, that's what happened, procrastinators. Right, there are those people as well. They hate making decisions. Uh, the third one, there are those who get paralyzed. There are so many options and you just don't know. You overthink it. You freeze up, you freak out, and you overthink. I'm sometimes that person. If you ever go to a restaurant with me and there's a menu in front of me, I get overwhelmed. I'm like, there's too many options. Just give me three options and let me choose. And even then I might freak out because they all sound good. I'll just order all of them if that happens. But what if I don't get the one that I want, right? What if I order something that's bad? Uh, and so what I do is I order the unique one, the, the special one that I've never tried before. And it's always a regret. I'm like, why did I get this? It sounded really good, but it doesn't taste very good, right? But that's what I do. I have bias regret, and it's my story every time, but that's me being paralyzed with choice. We have people who are premature, they procrastinate, or they're paralyzed. Oh, who are you? How do you fit into it? These are the negative ones, right? Uh, and these are, that's a trivial. I mean, I know that's trivial, but when it comes to those big decisions that will impact others around us, your future, or even, even impact your very soul, will you commit them to the Lord? Will you plan and make decisions in a way that, that trusts him? Planning well, seeking the counsel of others, questioning your motives. Will you trust God? So you don't have to feel like you're making premature decisions. You don't have to feel like you have to procrastinate or feel paralyzed by them. You can commit them to Jesus. When we know the love of God in our Lord Jesus, we can. We can live not by our plans, but by his promise. And as Christians, we know he, he, doesn't, he doesn't necessarily promise us earthly blessings of success or wealth or even good things like marriage and children, although he might give them to us. He may not even change our situation in life, even though we really want him to. He might, he might not. But he does promise something far better, doesn't he? Something far better than the world can off, what the world can offer us. He promises us every spiritual blessing in Christ. We get forgiveness by his blood. We get salvation for our sin. We're invited into an eternal relationship with our Creator. That's his promise to us. Although we might come up with great plans, wise decisions, and as much as possible, you know, do everything right, things may go our way or things may not. But either way, let's find comfort and peace knowing we can trust his plans and his promises for us in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are a creator God who has everything planned out, who knows the outcomes of our decisions and our plans. Help us to be people, Lord, who will trust you, who will surrender our plans and decision-making before the cross, knowing that you're a good and loving God, that you're trustworthy, that whatever happens, Lord, we, can, we know that you have our backs. Whether we succeed or whether we fail, help us to have that confidence and courage to approach life, not feeling 
paralyzed or needing to procrastinate or make, making premature decisions. Help us to be able to uh, plan wisely and surrender them before you. We do pray this uh, in Christ's name. Amen.